Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Preview Review. This is episode 8. Yep, it is. And here we are. Who are we though? I'm Ryan Toon, the second voice you've heard. But if you're wondering who the first voice is, it's me, Tyler Ellison. To celebrate our 8th episode, I have a magic 8 ball with me. Ooh, what are we going to ask it? Ask it about the future of our podcast. Ooh, will we ever get it. on Apple Podcasts? The future is unclear. Wow. The ball's in your court now, Apple. <laughs> Listen, Tim Cook, I'm not playing games anymore. We've, we've released eight episodes of this fucking podcast, and if you don't put us on your streaming site, I swear to God, I will fly up to... Where's Apple located? Uh, it's... Northern California? Like Bur- Burbank or something like that, right? That's not accurate. No. It's, um... It's like, uh... Cupertino. It's Cupertino. Yeah, because that's the place in all the iPhone clocks. Yeah, yeah. I will fly to Cupertino and cry. Wow. In your office. Don't do this, Tim Cook. Tyler can't afford a plane ticket right now. We're making no money off this podcast because we're because not on Because we're not Apple on Apple! Podcasts. Anyway, this is pretty Timothy! We're done with this bit. <laughs> this is the podcast where we talk about movie trailers because we love movie trailers. Yeah, I was talking slash marketing our podcast this weekend by just talking to people I know about it. And they were like, oh man, like, yeah, I've been really mean to get into listening to your podcast. Bullshit. Wow, fake friends. But, like, I haven't seen the movie yet, so I can't, I haven't listened. And I was like, that's when I discovered the genius of our podcast. We just talked about the trailer. Our podcast is always 100% spoiler free. Doesn't matter if you've seen the movie, doesn't matter if you've seen the trailer, anybody can listen. That's why this podcast is so universally beloved yeah, by the 30 people that it. listen to it. We have, like, a five star rating on Stitcher. Wow. How many reviews do we have? I Less think, than five. I think it's just my dad who hits the thumbs up button every time he <laughs> listens to an episode on Stitcher. Because I don't we know. We have a five star review with the number of reviews being less than the number of stars we have. It's because we're brilliant and the best podcasters ever. I'm Are you hoping, listening, Tim Cook? I'm just hoping that this is funny in the future when we're a very successful podcast and they go back into the early days and people are listening and they're saying, hmm. They don't even know their future when we're speaking at podcasting conventions. Ah, uh, PodCon. Is that a thing? I don't think so. I feel like it could be. We'll start it. Ooh, founders of PodCon. You heard it here first. It's going to be better than any other It's going to take place at the same exact weekend as Comic-Con because we're that confident that this event is going to be even more popular. Yes, and we've rented out Tyler's apartment. It's going to take place in my apartment, and there's going to be more people in here than there are at the entire <laughs> at the convention center <laughs> of Comic-Con. That's a fire hazard. <laughs> anyway, our opening question for today is... Oh, wait, wait we, we can't didn't... do the opening question yet, Ryan. Wow, I got ahead of myself. First of all, we have to tell you what's on today's episode. Well, there's an opening question that's on the episode, and some segments. But we have to talk about what movies we're going to talk about. Oh. And those movies are Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, Zombieland, Double Tap, Don't Let Go, and Joker. But before we even do the opening question, we have another thing to discuss. Oh yes, I, I got Ryan's way ahead of roundup. Welcome to Ryan's Review jingle. Roundup. Ryan, what movies that you've talked about in the past have you seen, and what did you think of them? I have seen two films that I previously talked about. Three? What's the third one? Oh, it is three. Oh, this is a surprise addition to Ryan's Review Roundup, and he has to come up with his thoughts on the spot. Thoughts on the fly. Here we go. The first movie I saw that was on this piece of paper was The Lion King. 2019. Exactly. And 2019 is very important specification because this movie is nothing like the original Lion King, is what I would have loved to say about this movie. But actually... It's the same movie that I've seen a million times before, just longer and not as good. <laughs> Timon and Pumbaa are the best part of this movie because Seth Rogen and Billy Eichner are able to play more with their characters, but it feels like everybody else is stuck to the original script. Even though it's not shot for shot and word for word, it hits the same beats and it does the exact same story 
So you're better off just staying at home and popping in your Blu-ray of The Lion King, which recently got re-released, the Signature Edition 4K edition, if you're Mm -hmm. into collecting physical media. So that's what I recommend. The second movie I saw was The Farewell. This film, beautiful. I loved it. It explores how a real family deals with real issues, and it's not just one genre. It's funny and it's sad, but what genre is life? Wow, that's deep. (laughs) Thank you. Next movie I saw. Oh, I liked The Farewell, if you couldn't get that. And I recommend you go see it if you have it in a local theater near you. I know it's not playing everywhere. But this other one is in more theaters. And I also recommend that you go check out Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's two hour and 40 minute runtime might be daunting, but if you're in for the long haul, it is worth it. The payoff at the end is great, but the setup throughout the film is also great. Nobody but Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt could make sitting, watching TV interesting for me to watch them watch TV. And that is the highest praise I can give to good old Mr. Q Tarantino. And that's Ryan's review roundup. I liked it too. Tyler was also there and he saw the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I also saw The Farewell. But he did not see The Lion King. How no. the tables have turned. I wanted to like it, but my prediction came true and I was just too lazy to even see it. Wow. And I hoped it would be good and then I gave it the benefit of the doubt and I walked in and... I mean, they don't even play Can You Feel the Love Tonight at night. It's so simple. John Favreau, what were you thinking? Well, I think this segues well into our opening question. Since we're also talking about Maleficent, Mistress of Evil on today's episode, Ryan, if you didn't like The Lion King, if you didn't like Beauty and the Beast, if you you didn't like Aladdin, then what is the best live-action Disney remake of a classic animated film. Well, there are a couple contenders here, but I think the one that is the best is Cinderella. This film is elegantly shot by Kenneth Branagh, and it just retells the classic story that we know and love, but it pays so much respect to it, and it gives more character to the mother character of Cinderella and to the stepmother played by Haley Atwell for the real mother and Kate Blanchett for the stepmother. Great casting, Great performances all around. Cinderella is played by Lily James, who's also been doing a great job. Richard Madden is the prince, and he gets a name in this live-action remake. Tyler, do you know the name of the prince from the animated Cinderella film? It is, his name is Prince Charming. No, Prince Charming is from Snow White. Oh. This one is just called The Prince. Right. But in Cinderella 2014 or 2015. I got fooled because in Ella Enchanted, which is a Cinderella knockoff spinoff, his name is Prince Char, which is like supposed to be short for Charming. For Charmander. (laughs) Prince Charmander. (laughs) (laughs) But no, in this remake, his name is Kit, and he's a real fleshed out character. Kit Harrington. No, it's Richard Madden, the other Game of Thrones boy. But they get to go ride on horses. In the forest, and that's how they meet. They meet before the ball, so there's more story there. And Helena Bonham Carter is the fairy godmother, and honestly, it's the worst part of the movie in my opinion, but a lot of people seem to like it. So Tyler, what Disney remake do you think is the best? Well, I think for almost the opposite reason of what you gave for Cinderella, which is how much it pays tribute to and is just a send-up of the original story, my favorite Disney live action remake would be the one that totally changed the traditional story and Christopher improved Robin. It. And that is The Jungle Book. Oh, not Christopher Robin. No. And also not Dumbo. That movie was atrocious. I liked Christopher Robin. Um, <laughs> the Jungle Book, which was directed by John Favreau, oh, is a better Cowboys and apparently than Lion King. But I think part of what it is is because they changed and fleshed out and made more compelling the entire narrative of the movie. The original anime Lion King is already a, a deep, like well-thought-out storyline. The original Jungle Book, not so much. It's trash. And so <laughs> he had a lot more to do to bring a new, more compelling story to life. The voice casting is stellar. 
Um, the animation is beautiful. I think that was probably, he didn't mention it, but probably a good point in The Lion King, too. Like, the live-action animation does look really cool on the animals. Like, they look very real, and it, it works for Jungle Book, even if it doesn't work for Lion King as much. And the storyline just fits well. I thought Shere Khan is a really good villain in the new Jungle Book, whereas in the old one, it's just kind of like, why is this tiger being mean? There's not really any, like, thought or purpose given to it. And, oh, and I liked the backstory that they gave to Mowgli of, like, how he was, like, lost in the jungle. And, like, that whole part of him, like, being rescued and being taken in by the wolves, like, felt, like, more genuine and more sincere. I don't know. I thought it was good. It's the best of a lot of, like, okay movies. I like the Jungle Book as well. But I'm not the biggest fan of Christopher Walken singing I Want to Be Like You. That's the worst part of the movie. <laughs> exactly. So just like I don't like Helena Bonham McConner, I'm not the biggest fan of Christopher Walken. Well, I mean, I like them individually, but not in these Disney I remakes. I think I would have liked The Jungle Book a lot more if they had decided not to incorporate any of the songs or musical elements well, and had it, just gone for it like... It felt like they did, but then Christopher Walken does a whole number. Yeah. but And then like... They kind of have Bill Murray do a little bit of Bear Necessities and stuff like that. Yeah, but like, it's not a big It's more number. like, yeah. Like coming like down the street. They're just trying to do like little tie-ins and they should have just kept it at that or not at all versus mm-hmm. like having the weird walking ape do a whole production in the temple. Ooh, and also, doo-doo. why is he so big? I kind of like that he was big. I don't know, but it didn't make like physical sense. But still, so what we're saying is both these movies are good, but there's room for improvement. And Disney has yet to give us a five-star remake. No, it's far from it. Even, like, I haven't seen Cinderella, but even Jungle Book for me is, like, maybe pushing four stars, but it probably settles at three. Like, mm. I don't I'm know. I'm a big fan of the Jungle Book. I I'd give can't. it four stars. I'd also give Cinderella four stars. I just, but, like, yes, it, it gets four stars compared to the original, but, like, oh, the original I gets just two stars and watch it, like, I don't know. I'm also just kind of like, I'd rather just have Disney create new live-action content hmm. than, like, remakes. But that's why I think the most Where's room Where's National is, Treasure 3, Disney? The most room is just for these stories like uh, Jungle Book or, like, Dumbo, where there was no real story in the original hmm. and they can just create its own thing. But even Dumbo was a letdown for me. Um, so, I don't know what they'll try. Well, Tyler, speaking of new original stories... Disney has come up with Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. Wow. So which original. is a new story. Technically, it, it goes beyond the storyline of Sleeping Beauty, right? Yeah. So it's like the sequel that we never got. Was there ever like a direct-to-video Sleeping Beauty sequel at all? I don't think so. Cinderella had some. Cinderella Little Mermaid had, had some. Little Mermaid had some, but I don't think, but, yeah. No, Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty no. got anything. Wow. Well, this is her chance. And Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. Maleficent, Mistress of Evil comes out on October 18th. And is directed by Joachim Roning, who co-directed the fifth Pirates of the Caribbean film, but this is his solo feature directorial debut. It stars Angelina Jolie, Elle Fanning, Robert Lindsay, Michelle Pfeiffer, Ed Serkin, and Chiwetel Ejiofurd. And it takes place five years after the original remake, Maleficent. So that director did the fifth Pirates movie? Yes, he co-directed so Pirates 5. The Javier Bardem one? Yes. That one's not good. It's better than some Four? of them. It's better than three. I don't remember three. Well, three's the worst one. Three's the one with all the different Jack Sparrows, right? Yes. Oh. So this story looks like Aurora is going to get married, and she comes to her godmother, who is Maleficent in this story, and says, I'm going to get married, and she says no. Wait, doesn't Aurora meet the prince at the end of... Yeah, he's the in first the first one. one. So it took them five years to get married. It's a five-year relationship. Pacing. Yeah. It's not like... You don't have to get married right away. It's okay. If you want to date for seven, eight... Nine? Ten years. Eleven? Twelve? Thirteen? Who knows? <laughs> but anyway, they're going to get married. But Maleficent isn't a fan of this because she doesn't believe in love. Because in the as we know from the first movie, because she's the mistress of evil. Well, no, she was scorned not by the love. misses of evil. She's not married to evil because she doesn't believe in love. She's only <laughs> evil's mistress. Well, in the first movie, it's shown that her first love was the one who cut her wings off mm. and betrayed her. So it makes sense as from a character point why she doesn't believe or trust in love. This movie feels like deep to like 
depressed seventh grade emo girls. Mm. The ones you love are the ones that will cut your wings. And well, that's like a bad like anime shading drawing. I mean, Hot Topic does love this franchise and I'm loves to make their merch. So Aurora comes and brings Maleficent to meet the meet the parents. Um, Ooh, I love that movie. <laughs> ben Stiller, Robert no, De Niro. No, no. This time classic. It's, this time it's Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, Michelle Pfeiffer hooks her up to a polygraph test. No, um, but it does look like Michelle Pfeiffer's doing some magic as well, as what I saw from the trailers. It looks like it's going to be like a battle between mother-in-laws. Ooh. But it turns into an all-out war where Maleficent has to bring in all the armies of nature to her side. Oh, yeah. Battles with my mother-in-law always turn into an all-out war. Ooh. But, um, classic mother-in-law humor. So, it turns out, it looks like Maleficent is doing something that goes a little too far, and Aurora isn't pleased with this, and that's why she's the mistress of evil in this one. But then the stinger at the end of the trailer is she gets taken away by flying fairy people played by Chiwetel Ejiofurd, and says, welcome home to your family. And there's a whole bunch of other fairies that look like Maleficent, because up to this point, the fairies didn't look like Maleficent at all. They're very different looking. Wow. So it's just like Kung Fu Panda 3. That's in that what sense. I was just going to say. I didn't see Kung Fu just Panda like 3. Just like Kung Fu Panda. But I heard people well, liked Kung Fu Panda. the end of Kung, Kung Fu Panda 2 is when we, re- we see it's the Panda true. village. Why didn't I ever watch 3? I saw the end of 2. Did you watch 3? Mm-hmm. Is it good? It's not as good as the first two. Oh. Just like Pirates of the Caribbean. Wow. Well, How to Train Your Dragon 3 was good. Cool. <laughs> anyway, Maleficent. So the fairies are back. Um, the Crow Man is back from the first movie. Looks like everybody's back. And it's going to be a big battle. And I like some things from this trailer, but I don't like other things from this trailer. Let's discuss. What do you like about this trailer? I literally have zero opinion about this at all. All so right, this, Ryan's this, podcast. This entire thing is just gonna be. Well, I like the your thoughts. I like the um, it's not just straight and cut like, hey, you should just go marry this guy, you. But there's something more sinister going on with Michelle Pfeiffer's character. It looks like, and it looks like maybe she's gonna turn the tables on Maleficent and turn Aurora against her, and that's kind of interesting. Um. I think I'd be more interested in the city of other fairies if it wasn't in the same movie as this battle with the step or with yeah, the mother-in-law. Yeah, that feels like a lot. Mm-hmm. Like when you're describing it to me, I was just like, that just seems like too much to do in one movie, and I feel like both narratives are gonna get like mm-hmm. cheapened by that. Unless the end of this movie is Maleficent gets taken away, and it's just a stinger like the end of Kung Fu Panda Two. And they just spoil this like end stinger in the trailer. I mean, they did that for the Amazing Spider-Man too. When he's fighting Rhino, that shot is the last shot of the trailer, and it's also the last shot of the movie. Oh my god. But I wasn't the biggest fan of Maleficent 1, and I was seeing some things in this that reminded me of that, like the Crow Man and the dumb other fairy ants. But I think Elle Fanning... Fairy ants? Well, you know, like, um, the three fairies that raised Aurora in the original Oh, cartoon. not like the insect. No, like ants. If we're using the Queen's English. Oh, aunt. Okay. Yes. But yeah, I think Elle Fanning looks like she's picking up the performance in this one. Maybe she's going to do better than the first one. I don't really remember her performance in the first one. But I am intrigued. This movie has me intrigued, even though I wasn't the biggest fan of the first one, which is a good praise for this trailer. Yeah. I didn't see the, the first Maleficent. This trailer just kind of looks like more of the same to me. And... I do think it's interesting to do like this kind of like from a villain's perspective type of mm-hmm. movie. I'm really excited for the Emma Stone Cruella Deville movie that I think they're making. Oh yeah, I think it might go to Disney Plus. I think it's Disney Plus, but it still seems like a cool concept, um, especially for such iconic villains like Maleficent. I mean, Maleficent's like the main villain in phantasmic at disneyland so it's like one of disney's most iconic principal mm-hmm. villains. she's also like one of the big villains in the kingdom hearts franchise Ooh, okay even though you kill her in the first one she's somehow in the second one and you have to kill her again it, they don't really explain it but it's fun so yeah and i think one of the things that looks the best is angelina jolie's performance as maleficent and michelle pfeiffer also looks really great in this trailer too so I mean, as much as you can do with the script that Disney goes through the whole Disney ringer and gets 
you know, mm-hmm. popped out at the end of the whole process. It looks like they're inhabiting those roles well. And I don't know. It could be interesting, but I don't know if I would, like, especially because I haven't seen the first one, I don't know if I would, like, take the time to go see it. Well, what is a film that you might want to see, Tyler? A film that I would probably want to see and definitely will see is the next movie that we're talking about, which is Zombieland Double Tap. So Zombieland, for those of you who don't know, was a zombie comedy that came out in 2009 starring Jesse Eisenberg, Woody Harrelson, Abigail Breslin, and Emma Stone. All-star cast. It was hilarious. It was one of the few movies that I purchased and downloaded onto my iPod Touch so I could watch it whenever I wanted. And I thought it was just the funniest, most hilarious movie ever. And I loved the interplay between the characters. I love the awesome like zombie action scenes, especially the whole scene at the carnival at the end. is super, super funny and well shot. And it's a great movie. And right mm-hmm. after, I was like, man, I really hope they make a second one. And then 10 years went Cut by. Cut to 10 years later. Well, the thing was, when that movie came out, it wasn't an all-star cast. No one knew who Jesse Eisenberg was well, or Emma Stone. That's exactly what I was going to say. Was it, They're all-stars now, and one of my favorite bits in the trailer is that it opens with Academy Award nominee Jesse Eisenberg, Academy Award nominee Wood Harrelson, Academy Award nominee Abigail Breslin, Academy Award winner Emma Stone. Ooh, she did it. And then it's like funky, like funny zombie action set to like some weird hip-hop song and then the rest of the trailer sh- like set to shoot the thrill totally does a 180 from the like traditional serious prestige award film yeah award films that these actors are known for now but yeah they were i mean but they were really great in the first time when it first came out and i think you know damien chazelle probably watched zombieland and was like that's the leading lady of my second film la la land wow that's Which the he had same already thing. named. David Fincher was looking at it and he goes, that That's guy Mark is Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> exactly. But I think it had to be pretty close to when Little Miss Sunshine came out, which is what Abigail Breslin was nominated for. Yeah, she was just taking any job at that point. Child she, actor life. Just a young girl. Looking for an Oscar. <laughs> Didn't um, get it, though. No, I like how Emma Stone's the only one that gets a winner on her. Well, it's <laughs> the truth. Well, I don't know. Maybe Zombieland 2. Ooh, an Oscar for Woody. An Oscar for Woody and Jesse. Which also, I just realized, are the main characters (gasps) of Toy Toy Story Story. 2. Zombieland 2 and Toy Story 2. Those are the things they have in common. Twos and Woody and Jesse. Yes. But anyways, cut to 10 years later. They're making a sequel. I'm happy about it, even though it's like kind of weird that we had to wait so long. Apparently, this went through so much development trouble. And well, like they were gonna make it a th- into a movie, but then that didn't work out. And then they were gonna, gonna make, make it a TV, TV show, mm-hmm. and that didn't work out. And then they got all the cast back together, and they said, "Let's actually make the thing." And now they're doing it, and it comes out this year, which is like almost surreal to think about now that I like Zombieland is one of those movies like just I remember watching it all the time when I was younger, and it just has stuck with me, and I'm really excited to see the sequel. Am I getting emotional about Zombieland? This is weird. Okay. Mm, tell me about the trailer, Cryboy. The trailer is really funny. Wait, hold on. This is directed by Ruben Flesher, who did the first Zombieland, and also did Gangster Squad, starring Emma Stone. Mm-hmm. She's in it on the poster, at least. I haven't seen the movie. She and he also just did Venom. Mm-hmm. That's the movie where Tom Hardy gets into a tank full of lobsters just so he can cool off. Venom? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't see it, but that's It's weird. ridiculous. Um, and all the original cast is returning, Jesse Eisenberg, Woody Harrelson, Abigail Breslin, and Emma Stone, but also with newcomers, Rosario Dawson, Zoe Deutsch, Luke Wilson, and Thomas Milditch. And I'm sure another celebrity cameo, a la Bill Murray, in the first movie. Mm. This movie is scheduled to be released on October 18th, which is the 10th anniversary of the original film. Do you think they planned that, or was it just a coincidence? I think yes and no. They were like, ooh, this is going to finish around the fall. And then they're like, oh, look, it could be on the 10th anniversary. And they said, okay. It's crazy that it's the same day, like, because movies usually release on a Friday. So it was a Friday in 2009, and it's a Friday this year? Well, it's an even number of years, so it would loop around. Oh, wow. Is that how that works? I don't know. I don't think so, because... But it might work. It's still coming. It is a Friday, though. They're not changing it. Was it a Friday in 2009? I would have to scroll too far back on my calendar for me to look that up right now. So let's talk about Zombieland 2. 
this movie gets me excited because the official premise right now on like IMDb and Wikipedia says that they're fighting evolved zombies. Mm, I thought the original premise based on the trailer was they go to the White House so they can make some political jokes because this movie's set in 2019, but in a world where Obama was the last president. Ooh, and at the end of the Obama era, ushered in the apocalypse, just like real life. Well, it wasn't the end of the Obama era. Well, I mean, guess it was. But it was 2009, which was just the beginning of his era in our timeline. Regardless, Obama's presidency was followed by zombies. the end of the world. <laughs> zombies in the White House. Yeah. What do you think about that aspect? Do okay, you think they're going to get political? Jokes. Do you think they are, though? I mean, I think the farthest they'll go is that throw away line that Emma Stone has in the trailer, which is like, wow, you bring a real dignity to the office, which is when Woody Harrelson's sitting in the Oval Office, and that's like a wink-wink nudge-nudge of, like, Trump is trash. But... Mm. Well, I did notice the Obama Hope poster is in the trailer for this film. Yeah, but I think that's just like remember more of like a that's the past, but yeah. now it's now and with different times. Well, and speaking of like this time jump, I think they will have to like fess up to that. It's actually been ten years since the first movie because like everybody else kind of passes for at least a similar age in the first movie, except for Abigail Breslin because she was so young in the first movie. They're gonna have to be like a significant amount of time has passed because even though. Emma, Woody, and Jesse look like it could have been like two years later, three years later. Abigail Breslin is going to have to give away that there's been like a significant time lapse. Well, you know, once the writers started writing this movie, they realized Abigail Breslin was growing up. And then they said, well, we have to wait longer because if we write the story now, we'll have to gonna, we're going to have to do a puberty story with Abigail Breslin. So we have to wait till she gets out of puberty to make Zombieland 2. Oh, or else it's going to be weird. College age Abigail Breslin rebelling against the system. Which is why she has a weed joke in the trailer. Mm. She runs away with a guy who's from Berkeley. And I love that they're sticking to naming all of the characters after cities that they're from or going to. Which is kind of fun. She runs away with Berkeley, who just looks like a total hippie. And they're in the car and is like, do you have any weed? And he's like, do I look like that kind of person that has weed? And in your head you go, yeah. And then he pulls out a bag of weed. And you're like, okay, good. Because otherwise this would have been weird. And then Woody Harrelson is upset at hippies. Do you think this is the swing of the pendulum back? Because for so long, Hollywood has been like, yes, we're fans of hippies and all this idealism. But now we're swinging back. Woody Harrelson, mm-mm, no hippies. I think Woody Harrelson's character doesn't seem like the kind of person that would ever sympathize with hippies. <laughs> Even though Woody Harrelson as a person is like, probably at least 40% hippie. Mm, at least 40% His hippie. name is Woody Harrelson. Um, what about, um, is it Zoe Deutsch? Yeah, she really? plays Madison, which is a name That's and not a city. A, oh, it is a Madison, city. Wisconsin. Wow. She's wearing, like, That's how they got away with jacket, it. So it looks like it's like, she's from Wisconsin because mm -hmm. she's cold. And she's kind of a ditz. Yeah, she's like a ditzy, like fun blonde girl. It looks like she could be it Looks like a love triangle. love interest. But I also thought that he hit it off with Emma Stone's character in the first movie, so it's like, oh, That's what's the, the love situation? Triangle. Did they date and then break up over ten years, but they're still traveling together? That's awkward. Did they, like, hit it off but never actually date in that whole ten years, so it's just been ten years of building sexual tension? That's even more awkward. Are they currently dating and Jesse Eisenberg is going to cheat on her, even though they're, like, the only five people they've ever met in the world? That's even more, more awkward. Well, are you going to have Zoe Deutsch be the romantic interest for Woody Harrelson? Because that also would be awkward, Tyler. Well, she could be the romantic interest for Abigail Breslin. No, she has Berkeley. You don't know that that's romantic. That relationship is built purely on the need for weed. That's the other subtitle for this movie. Zombieland, the need for weed. <laughs> it's like a need like for the speed. Weed. <laughs> but, yeah. As I was saying, it says evolved zombies, because 10 years, they can't just be the same old zombies. They're learning. They're getting smart, probably getting faster. I assume that's what they meant from evolved, although maybe they're just like growing well, tails or a third eye or something. I don't Darwin know. would be ashamed, because we all know it takes way longer than 10 years, or else humans would look different every 10 years, and I'm 23, and I, I've just gotten bigger. But aside from, uh, aside from aside my from, size, aside from taking creative liberties with the origin of species, I think this movie looks like a lot of fun. And the other thing I'm excited for is like it introducing a lot more human characters because those main four cast members are pretty much the only human characters in the first movie, mm -hmm. besides the Bill Murray cameo. 
And, well, well, Tyler, we have to talk about the elephant in the room. This trailer ends on a joke that Shaun of the Dead already did. When they come up against people that are just very similar to them, very different versions of themselves, like almost like doppelgangers. That's the tag at the end of this movie. And that's something the other zombie comedy franchise already did. Yeah. Well, Shaun of the Dead wasn't a franchise. Well, the Three Flavors of Cornetto trilogy. They don't tie into each other at all. Only well, via ice cream. Then how come I could buy them in one three-pack Blu-ray set, Tyler? Mm, because Edgar Wright wants your money. I, th- I think it's more like this movie studio. Yeah. Edgar Wright wants to make art. Edgar Wright deserves your money. The movie studios are the one that gets it. Mm. But Shame. Welcome to our Problems Within the Film Industry podcast. Wow. Um... I just gave Comcast the money. Yeah. For the Blu-rays. Rough. I'm sure Edgar gets some of the profit. But. How much does Nick Frost Okay, get? regardless. <laughs> this joke has been done by Shaun of the Dead, or was done during Shaun of the Dead, but in Shaun of the Dead, it's like kind of a passing moment. It's like a one-punch joke. Like, they run into each other, they pass each other, and then the joke's over. It's and classic. it's kind of like understated, like, British type of humor, which is hilarious, and I love that joke in that movie. In Zombieland 2, it looks like they're doing a little bit differently, and those are actually going to be, like, central characters or, like, pivotal to the storyline. So, it looks like it's going to be more drawn out and more, like, more of, like, a send-up of that joke, which is, like, just the exact same thing that Americans do with any British comedy. (laughs) Like, see the office. British take, like, a tiny joke and make it hilarious, and then the Americans are like, what if we did the same thing, but for, like, 20 more minutes, and we're just like, Mm. okay... That I can laugh 19 minutes longer. But sometimes it works. The Office was two seasons in the UK, but it was nine in America. Well, the US version of The Office is better than the UK version. That's just a fact. Mm, but It's debatable. I hope that this joke is different, or at least made a little different in Zombieland 2. And it's still like it's still a fun joke regardless. It's true. I like the joke the first time. I'll probably like it the second yeah, time. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. But that's what I thought about The Lion King. Actually, that's not what I thought. Wow, bringing it back to Lion King hate. <laughs> we can't let it go. He needs to go to therapy. <laughs> After the Lion King. <laughs> but regardless, I think that this joke could be fun if it's more than just a passing joke. And then I'll be like, you copycats. If they do something more with it. But I'm not the biggest fan of the casting for these characters. Thomas Milovich is a really good choice. He is a really good choice. I don't know that I love Luke Wilson for the Woody Harrelson. Mm-hmm. That was kid. what I was thinking. Yeah. And those are the only two we see. We don't know if there's a doppelganger for Abigail Breslin's character or Emma Stone's character. Or a Madison doppelganger or a Berkeley doppelganger. Ooh, a Bill Murray doppelganger. Ooh. It's a Dan Aykroyd. Wow. No, he's crazy now. So, Ryan, what if you had to cast... The doppelgangers for all four of those characters, even though we don't see Abigail's or Emma's. That's because we're saving it for the next trailer. If you have to, if you were to choose four new actors to play doppelgangers for those roles, who would you choose? We've done segments like this on the podcast before, where we get to make believe that we are significant uh, decision makers. It is me, Hollywood. Ryan is putting back on his casting director hat. We've done it. All right. I've got the perfect cast for Zombieland doppelgangers. Let's let's start it off with a bang. Our leading man, Jesse Eisenberg, is obviously a doppelganger of Michael Sarah. They're just both the shy, awkward guy that gets cast in the same types of roles. And I think everyone's been saying they're similar for years. Let's lean into that joke that everyone already loves and put it on film. Perfect. Next, Woody Harrelson. Meet your doppelganger, Jason Lee, the star of My Name is Earl. Oh my god, what a throwback. Jason Lee, I don't know where you've been, but I miss you, and I'm giving you another chance. I know you can do exactly what Woody Harrelson is doing in this movie, because I saw you do it for four seasons on My Name is Earl. It's your time to shine. Emma Stone, this one was harder. I didn't have it instantly come to my head like the other ones, but I kindly came up with her doppelganger is Anna Kendrick. They can both be fiery, shortish people that are... They're both great actresses, and I like both of them. So there. 
And finally, Abigail Breslin, your doppelganger is Chloe Grace Moretz, who was the other child star that grew up, and it's been 10 years since she was a child star. She stars in films like Greta now, where she steals purses off the trolley and then returns them to a psychopath. She can also star in Zombieland. <laughs> Tyler, what's your casting hat say? Well, it's funny that you should mention Chloe Grace Moretz, because my doppelganger cast is essentially a kick-ass reunion. Oh. And Jesse Eisenberg's character is obviously played by Aaron Taylor Johnson, who in Kick-Ass reminded me so much of being Jesse Eisenberg. That's a good one. He's older now, but so is Jesse Eisenberg. I figure he can grow his hair back out. He can be awkwardly funny. Mm-hmm. Again, no no big deal. Woody Harrelson, then, has to be Jason Nicolas Lee. Cage. Oh, Nick Cage. Big Daddy. <laughs> I just was excited at the prospect of putting Nicolas Cage in a movie. With Woody Harrelson. So here he is. And he gets to be... What if Nicolas Cage was our surprise cameo, though? As Tallahassee's doppelganger. <laughs> but it, it just is Nick Cage. It's just what his personality is like after the apocalypse. Oh, like in Left Behind, the Redbox movie. But... I had Chloe Grace Moretz written down for Abigail Breslin's doppelganger, but if you look at my paper, you will see it's crossed out. It is crossed because out. I had a better idea, and that idea is Dakota Fanning. Oh. Because Dakota Fanning is a young child actress that has grown up. She was just in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and very minor spoiler alert, in that movie, she has red hair. Does Abigail Breslin have red hair? No, but okay. it's just a fun fact. <laughs> I, I Speaking thought... of red hair... <laughs> Our Emma Stone doppelganger is the ginger Sophie Turner. Oh, She's naturally British blonde, doppelganger. but she has red hair in Game of Thrones. For eight whole seasons. And she can do an American accent, I'm sure. We're just hoping she can. And if she can, she is uh, Emma Stone's doppelganger because I haven't seen any comedic roles that she's done, but I've seen her on talk shows, and she's funny sometimes. Mm. So there we go. Well, I think we did it. Hollywood, you need to take this movie back and get rid of Luke Wilson and put in one of our choices instead. We'll wait another ten years. Honestly, I genuinely think that both of our picks are would be better than Luke Wilson. Yes, but I'm a fan of Thomas Middleditch. I do like Thomas Middleditch, yes. For I sure. feel like any of our Jesse Eisenberg doppelgangers would be fine, but Luke Wilson, I don't know, man. It could be good. Anyway, but... It's time to end that segment. Good job, Tyler. The end. Thank you. Chapter four. The fourth chapter. Is this the fourth thing that we've done? Well, it depends on how you count the things, but this is the second trailer. I know that for... Oh, third trailer. it's the third trailer. It's the third trailer. So chapter three? Well, it depends on how you count things, But do you count the intro and the segment as chapters? Well, if you're counting the intro, do you count the intro and the opening question as different chapters? Do we count the theme song? Oh. That's like the prologue. Mm, and then we have an epilogue. Anyway, here's the next thing. It's the trailer for, for Don't, Don't Let, Let go. go. This film releases on August 30th and is directed by Jacob Aaron Estes. Um, he has directed two films so far, The Details and Ming Creek, and I've never heard of either of them. So this is the first film that I I think he directed because the other ones sound fake. Um, The cast includes David Oyelowo, Storm Reed, Brian Mann, Alfred Molina, and Brian Tyree Henry. So this movie essentially looks like a detective film. Uh, David Oyelowo, I'm sorry, I'm trying. David O, you did a wonderful job playing Martin Luther King Jr. in Selma. He was nominated for an Oscar, and I'm struggling to say your name and i'm sorry but that guy is a detective and his uh brother and his brother's wife and daughter were murdered in this home invasion and then the next day he gets a call from his niece the dead one what i know it's how can this be he, he that's what he thinks he answers the phone and he goes hello storm reed is that really you and she says from wrinkle in time that storm reed she goes yes it's me storm reed from euphoria and I'm just hanging out in my room. And he goes, The room that you were murdered in? He goes and he looks in the room and he's like, What day is it? She goes, Well, it's two weeks in the past from your time. And he goes, She says that? Yes, word for word. And he goes, Oh, no. You don't know this yet, but you're going to die. And she goes, 
well, we're all gonna die, Uncle David O. It's just a matter of how and when. And he goes, but I know when. It's in two weeks, and it's a murder, and your family dies too. She goes, how do we stop it? He goes, I need to solve the crime and tell you who the guy is so you're prepared when he comes. And that's the but premise also, of the movie. Like, I he think. also uses her, like, sends her to go find out, like, people that are, like, True. She goes and looks for clues. Like, to help him solve the crime in the future, too, which is cool. Mm-hmm. It's not just him trying to beat the clock to save her in the past. It's, like, past her is also helping future yeah. him solve the crime. But what I don't understand is how come he can't just say, don't be in the house at this time. Because someone's going to come in and try to kill you. Because then he doesn't bring them to justice. He's Why can't he just say, set up a nanny cam right by your front door? <laughs> I don't know. But if he did, that would ruin this entire movie. And I don't want that to happen because I think this movie looks pretty good. I'm involved. It looks I... decent. It looks like a fun, inventive, not like a fun movie, but like a new inventive yeah. like take on this kind of detective mystery. Yeah. But... I like the I'm way it's playing really with time. The, I'm not really a fan of the title. I feel like there are a dozen better titles for this movie. I don't have any, but mm. somebody more creative than me might. And it doesn't really make sense to me. Well, but. the thing about this title is I thought the same thing. And right when I thought that, Flash from the trailer says, From the producers of Get Out. And I go, I also didn't think that was a great title. Because it's just a thing people say. Get out. Don't let go. Crawl. These are all not great titles. But I've liked Get Out. Well, so hopefully I like Don't Let Go. Get Out is a reference to a classic comedy bit about how African American people would act in a horror movie. So it's like an inside baseball reference that Jordan Peele did to give this movie about like how he was going to have a horror movie with a African American lead. So it's deeper than Don't Let well, Go. Well, I've but... never heard that before and I you're the only person I know that knows that. So Jordan Peele... Thanks for the very, very secret, like, inside joke that now only me and Tyler know. But, and everyone else that's listening to this arc. You have to do a really deep Google for that one. I mean, it's not on the Wikipedia page. I should know. <laughs> I love Wikipedia. But the Wikipedia page for this movie does say Alfred Molina's in this movie, and I don't remember seeing him in the trailer, like, that much. Maybe he's just another cop friend that they know? What do you think about that? I would say he's probably... David Oyelowo's boss. Mm. And what about Brian Mann? He is a huge star of Asian cinema. Byron Mann? Yes, Byron Mann. I don't know who that is. Oh. Is what I was saying. Yeah, he's a big star in Asia with a bunch of his films, and he's like, this is one of his first big films is in he the Asian? United States. Yes. Oh. He's probably the criminal. Wow. Well, I'm excited but for Don't Let Go. it could be the other way around. You think? Byron Mann. I don't know if Alfred Molina would be the criminal, but... Well, we know Brian Tyree Henry is going to play the dad who dies. Yes. And Storm Reid is the girl that dies, but then is also Telephone Time Girl. Mm-hmm. That's a better title. Telephone Time Girl? Yes. <laughs> there we go. We cracked the case. Wow. Well, I'm actually excited for this movie. I think it looks really good. I'm intrigued by the premise, and it looks like nothing I've ever seen before, which is something that excites me. Yeah, there are a couple of different horror movies like that do this kind of thing where it's like, People, like, knowing that they're going to die and then having to, like, race against the clock to figure mm-hmm. that out. But, but I really like the time element mm-hmm. and the personal connection of having the uncle trying to save not only his niece, but his brother and his sister-in-law, like, mm-hmm. making that connection more personal. And he is a detective assigned to the case. That's a whole other layer of drama where, like, having to investigate your own family's death is probably one of the most traumatic things you could experience. And, yeah, I think it looks interesting. And it looks like it has a lot of layers. And if it executes all of those different things well, I think it'll be really good. If it tries to skirt over some of those elements, I think it will not perform as well. I don't know. I I enjoyed the trailer, and I hope to enjoy the film when it releases on August 30th. Sounds great. But you know what sounds even better? A film that releases on October 4th? Yes. The last movie we're talking about on today's episode, it's Joker. The new DLC character for Super Smash Brothers? No, the movie directed by Todd Phillips, director of get this, the three Hangover movies. Oh, the Due Hangover date and War Dogs. The Hangover Part Two. What a weird choice. The Hangover Part Three, even. Why is he directing this movie? Those are all comedies. 
And the Joker is a comedian, Tyler. It all makes sense. It's like poetry, Tyler. It rhymes. rhymes. This movie is going to star Joaquin Phoenix as the titular Joker. Also, Robert De Niro's in this movie. Mm -hmm. Didn't know that. That's super cool. I'm so excited. It also stars Zazie Beetz as the Joker's love interest. Frances Conroy as the Joker's mother. Brett Cullen as Mr. Thomas Wayne. Mark Maron as the Joker's agent. And Brian Terry Henry as... The guy who got killed in the movie that we just talked about. Somebody, I don't know his role in this movie. Well, he is uh, Miles Morales' dad in that other movie. But in this movie? Um, he is Paperboy in Atlanta. But what about this movie? Um, he is in this movie. Playing who? A character. Oh, okay. Got it. Uh, this is intended to be a standalone movie, meaning that it's not connected to any of the other iterations of Batman or anything that takes place in the Batman universe or Joker universe at Suicide Squad. And there's no planned sequel to this movie, so it's just going to be a one and done. It's also going to be rated R, which I'm excited for mm-hmm. because I think the Joker is a very violent and insane, profane character in some iterations. And... I'm excited to see that on screen. Yeah. This movie being rated R makes sense because the last time I saw a Joker origin story like this, where he's a failed stand-up comedian, was the Killing Joke adaptation, and that was also rated R. Yeah, and I feel like to do this kind of Joker, where it's like very heavily focused on his downfall and his mental health, and basically becoming a psychopath, kind of has to just go full send on everything. And there's not really room to like take shortcuts just to censor his acts of violence or his language or anything like that. Like You kind of just have to go for it. Another interesting thing about this film is it's a comic book movie that premiered at festivals. It's a festival darling, but it's a comic book movie. These are not two things that you usually see go together. Mm-hmm. Like You don't see Avengers Infinity War premiering at yeah, con. Even like really good superhero movies that have get like great reviews from critics like Infinity War or Endgame. Those movies don't go to festivals. Mm-hmm. They are just tentpole studio films that go directly into theaters and make a ton of money. And Joker will probably do that, but also I think Joaquin Phoenix being the lead actor inhabiting this role is doing a lot to make people see like, oh, this is like a way that we can have a superhero movie that has a very dramatic edge to it. Mm-hmm. Plus, the last, or like one of the last times, I can't say the last anymore because Jared Leto messed that up, but the almost last time someone played the Joker, they won an Oscar for it. Yeah. Kind of because he died doing it. But He's so good in He's that movie. He's real good. He's real good. He didn't win that just because he died. Would he have won it if he was still alive is a different question. Yes. But he's real good. Who else was nominated that year? I don't know. Not even memorable. Heath Ledger. Justice for Ledger. Okay. Anyways, I think it looks real good. What do you think looks good about this trailer? We haven't really talked about what's in this trailer at all. We just said that it looks cool. Well, so like we said from this trailer, we gather that this is the Joker origin story where he's a failed stand-up comedian. I really like that they are kind of taking it into the modern era. And one of the ways that he is like publicly embarrassed as a stand-up comedian is bombing on a talk show. I can gather because I see like the mm-hmm. talk show camera lights in the curtains and stuff and Robert De Niro, it says, is playing, like, the talk show host. So I think that's kind of cool. Um, And, yeah, just the way that the Joker is shown to be, like, physically crumbling under his own psychological state as his mental health deteriorates, like, his physical body is. And then it just goes right into, like, him in the full, like, Joker getup. It just, it's shot really well. And (laughs) all the pieces of Joaquin Phoenix's performance in the trailer look super great. Yeah. Uh, it also gives us a glimpse of what is this version's Arkham Asylum, which we haven't really been able to like get a chance to explore Arkham Asylum in any recent Batman movie. It's just not a thing that we've done. So I'm excited that we're going to go into that side of this universe. Yeah, and a lot of the iterations of Arkham have been through like the Batman video games, mm-hmm. and it's kind of cool that now they're going to like bring that to the screen because yeah. it's a, it's like a really neat setting. Mm-hmm. And. I don't know. When I look at this movie, it looks it reminds me of like a classic 70s Scorsese movie, which is weird because I'm watching an upcoming superhero film or supervillain film. Yeah. But I also think it's really cool because 
they got Robert De Niro, so they're definitely trying to lean into that Scorsese feel. Definitely. And they went to the festivals and then trying to bring this up as like a movie about mental health and psyche disguised as a villain Joker movie. Yeah, and I also like that there's no expectation for there to be a Batman in this movie because oh yeah, I don't expect Batman in this. Thomas Wayne in the cast, like Bruce Wayne is still a young child, and so this is going to be all Joker story and. Mm maybe the Wayne family will, like, tie in in some way that's going to be, like, oh, that's going to be poetic when Batman grows up and, like, kicks Joker's ass. But, like, that's not something that we're expecting to see within the storyline of this movie. Yes, but since this is, um, like, been obviously told as, like, a standalone story, do you think that Joker will survive the whole film? I mean, I would assume that he will, just because I do think they want it to be, like, told within a universe where, like, the Joker does become a Batman villain. Mm-hmm. But I just don't think they have any expectation of having this Joker on screen as a Batman villain. But I think they do want to, like, have that be where the arc of the character is going. Mm-hmm. They're doing this movie with that kind of end goal in sight, but not expecting to actually have to commit that to film and just showing this as, like, the prologue to whatever would happen in this fictional world. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I think it looks really cool. I think Joaquin Phoenix looks like he's doing a great performance. Um, the fact that um, Smile, the song is playing behind it, fits so perfectly into this trailer. I watch this trailer, I get goosebumps, and I get really excited. Yeah, I think both this and also, I was going to mention this, the Don't Let Go trailer as well, do a really good job of taking like an old, classic, feel-good song and turning it dark by like incorporating it in the trailer. Music in trailers is like sometimes a difficult thing to do, but when it works well, it works really well. And it definitely works well in Joker. I agree. All right, Ryan. Well, this is the movie that is inspired by DC Comics that I have the most faith in in a long time. I really liked Shazam. It was really good. Oh, Shazam was really good. I wasn't thinking of that. But Aquaman was okay. It was a fun time. Justice League was mega Justice League was also okay. I had a good time, but... I understand that it's not a great film. So there's a long history of DC films, live action movies that have been committed to screen, inspired by classic DC comics. And I want to take that and run with it for this next game that I want to play, Ryan. And we've done a version of this game where we take the titles of two movies and mash them together because they fit together. Oh, you mean the movie name game as we named it in episode four. I came up with a better name. Movie Ooh. title mashup. Wow. That is the other title that we are now calling it. If you recall, back in episode four, we were both like, that's not a good name for this. But I was sticking with it for continuity. But now, we're retconning. Movie title mashup is what this game is called and has always been called. And yeah. here's how it works. I'm going to take two movies. One of them's a DC movie. One of them's any other movie from the history of time. Their titles go together because, like, the last word or sound in one movie is the first word or sound in the other movie, and you can say them all in one word. Before we get started, I have one question about the DC films you've chosen. Yes. Are you including, like, all the straight-to-video animated DC movies? I don't think so. I believe all of these are theatrical releases. Okay. Then I'm ready. There's one I'm not positive about, but I think you'll still be able to get it. Okay, I'm a big enough nerd that I'll probably know. So, and then the way I'm giving Ryan these hints is I've mashed up also the plot of both movies, and I will read a plot synopsis if these two movies were mashed together into the same movie. And from that plot synopsis, he will have to give me what he thinks the title of the movie is. Ryan, are you ready? Yes, I was ready before, but I wasn't listening to you, and I didn't realize you hadn't explained all the rules, so I'm sorry, audience. Now that we know all the rules, are you ready? I was born ready, Tyler. And for the third time, are you ready? Yes, I'm listening now. Here we go. Synopsis number one. In this action comedy, the Caped Crusader must team up with his sidekick, a fourth-wall-breaking archer, to defeat Poison Ivy, Mr. Freeze, and the Sheriff of Rottingham, Armed with nothing but biting parody and satire. This film is Batman and Robin Hood Men in Tights. That's correct. Well done. 
Wow. I haven't seen Robin Hood Men in Tights, so I was just hoping that was the right Robin Hood movie. You got it. The satire piece would have really yes. helped. Yes. I actually, that's not true. I saw the end of it because it was on Comedy Central one day and I was flipping through channels. So I know there's a joke about a chastity belt. I could have put any Robin Hood movie and just had it be Batman and Robin Hood, but I liked having to make you say that the subtitle. Yes, that was better. Good job. Thanks. You're welcome. All right. Question number two, or synopsis number two, sorry. In an alternate reality, two Los Angeles police officers put their lives on the line as they confront the violent gangs of South Central who are attempting to rid the world of former superheroes. Talk it out. Can you pick up on either of them? No. Okay, there's two cops in an alternate reality. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're trying to get rid of superheroes. So by alternate reality, I mean like a parallel version of the United States. Yeah, so I think it's Watchmen is the DC movie. Okay. But then, because that's an alternate reality and the bad guy tries to get rid of superheroes, I think. I don't remember. I haven't seen Watchmen in a while. Um, But there's two cops in LA. End of Watchmen. That's correct. There you go. Have you seen End of Watch? No, I haven't seen End of Watch. It's really good. I know Anna Kendrick's in it, and I know... It's Michael Pena da- and... Jake Gyllenhaal, right? It's not Jake Gyllenhaal. It's another white guy, but I don't remember who okay. he is. Michael Pena's the best okay. in that movie. Uh, here we go. Synopsis number three. Oh, I can't believe I got that one. In this action drama, Tara Zor-El must leave her planet and go to Earth, where she is admitted to a women's psychiatric hospital where she develops a deeper understanding of many of her fellow patients. Supergirl Interrupted. You got it. Well done. I haven't seen any of those, either of those films. I didn't know if you would get Girl Interrupted, because it's like, it's a very famous movie. Angelina Jolie won the Oscar, mm-hmm. but I have never seen it, and I didn't know any of the plot. But Well, I knew it was about a girl going to a mental Good. hospital. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. Synopsis number four. You're currently have all three correct. What happens if I get all six correct? Yeah, all six correct. I'll give you a high five, and we can do it right next to the mic, so every listener can hear. Nice. Here what happens go. if I don't get all of them? No high five. That's sad for our listeners, Tyler. Sorry. I have to do it for our listeners. Then you better focus up. Synopsis number four. Here we go. After attending a seminar, Cal L resolves to overturn his negative outlook on life and instead reply to every opportunity with. An enthusiastically affirmative answer, leading him to agree to battle General Zod, who has recently escaped from exile in the Phantom Zone. Yes, Man of Steel? You got it. I yes, was thinking, Man of Steel. I was thinking so hard. I was like, it, he can't make it super Yes, Man. And then I then I realized there was one Superman movie that, didn't, that was afraid to call him Superman. Yep. <laughs> it's Man of Steel. All right. I'm going to switch the last two because I like number five better than I like number six and it's a good closer mm, you could have kept that in your head but now everyone knows I your secret wanted, process you know I think sometimes transparency is a good thing and here we are it's true synopsis number six but it's really number five after a chance encounter at the airport a male secret agent must teach a female car restorer the ways of espionage after they are both made the targets of a psychopathic criminal mastermind dressed as a clown the Dark Night and Day. You got it. Wow, you're Night. pulling out some of these B-tier movies. Night and Day. Night and Day, Cameron Diaz, Cameron Diaz Tom, Tom Cruise. I haven't are. seen it, but... You got it. I did. I would have told you Diaz and Cruise if you were struggling, and you would have gotten it. Yes. Because I definitely remember being promoted like that, but... That's all I the poster no is. I had no idea that was the plot. Well, yeah. It, I had like, no idea that was the plot. Well, he's like a secret agent, and she gets wrapped up in it somehow. Yeah. They, That's like, what I remember from the trailer. I read the whole Wikipedia summary. It's like he uses her to like sneak the secret object that he's trying to get a hold of through airport security, and then she like has to go with him because something goes wrong or whatever, and... Mm. They like travel to Europe and then she has to travel mm-hmm. back to the U.S. for her sister's wedding. So she, Tom Cruise makes Cameron Diaz a and drug smuggler. And she's a car restorer, just so we know. Yeah, I didn't. That part I just wrote off because I didn't know what that was at all. <laughs> I don't know if it's central to the plot, but that's how she's described on Wikipedia. Perfect. Here we go. The final synopsis, number five. It's but really it's number six. After being lost as a child, an orphan with amnesia must leave communist Russia and travel to Paris to discover who she really is. 
the child of a lighthouse keeper, and the queen of the underwater kingdom of Atlantis. Amnesia. So it's it's Aquaman, but okay, I'm not getting the first part. The child of or it's like a Russian forgetful person. She's an orphan. Orphan. And she's learning to Russian. discover who she really is, which may also be a similar something about Aqua. What about man? She's a man. Mm-mm. She's an Aquaman. Oh, Aquaman is a Russian girl. This is a. I'm not getting an animated it. film. Animated. The villain is Rasputin. Oh, wait. How do these movies mix together? Anastasia and Aquaman. I don't know how they go together. Aquamanastasia? That's a stretch. <laughs> okay, you had one for mine. When I did it, that was like the last letter led to the next one. Well, if we're being transparent here, Tyler showed me the paper and I saw Aquamanastasia. And the more I say it, the more I like it. But it's it was tough, so I guess I don't get the high five. No, it's okay. You got both movies. My hand's next to the mic. It's ready for it. Clap. High five accomplished. There we are. I feel like it was only half earned, but the listeners didn't deserve to not hear that. So thank you for not taking I feel like I deserve the high five for just coming up with Aquamanastasia. I was very proud of that. And none of them were a direct-to-DVD animated I didn't know about Supergirl. Supergirl was a theatrical release. Cool. Well, um, that's it. We did the podcast. That was fun. Yeah, and I had fun playing the game, and I won a high five, and the listeners won a high five. Congratulations. Well done. But This um, has been episode eight of Preview Review. And it's been great. And if you're listening to uh, this on Apple Podcasts, you're listening to it late. Because we're not on. Tim Cook heard our plea. Please, Tim Cook. Please, Tim. Anyway, um, we're Preview Review everywhere on Instagram, Facebook. Wait. Or not on Facebook. What was your favorite trailer from the episode? I always forget this part. And this is what they wait for. Every this episode. is the nugget at the end. This is the only reason they listen to the end of the episode. They're sitting right here. Ryan, please tell our listeners. My favorite trailer this week was the trailer for Don't Let Go. Because when I watch this movie in the theaters, or like this trailer in the theaters, it's something I've never heard of, and it gets me excited and ready for this movie primed and ready to go for don't let go let you tyler what movie did were you or like what trailer was your favorite trailer of this week my favorite trailer of this week is a trailer for joker i think Mm -hmm. joaquin phoenix's performance looks amazing and like the music just works really well i like the style of the trailer from the shots that we i like the style of the movie from the shots we see in the trailer and i think the trailer does a really good job conveying how this is going to be different than other iterations of the joker and just kind of the Batman universe, I guess, we have seen previously. And for all those reasons, Joker is the movie I'm most excited to see. Is that the same with you, Tyler? It Did he get not. a double whammy? No, the most movie I'm most excited to see that we talked about today is Zombieland Double Tap. I don't know why I got emotional talking about Zombieland earlier in this episode, but it just is nostalgic for me. And I love that cast, and I'm just really excited to see where the story goes in the sequel. Even though it's kind of weird it's coming out so late, it is something I wanted after I saw the first one, and hopefully a lot of the humor and performances hit some of the same notes, and that it also does enough differently to make it still exciting and fun. That's awesome. Well, we're here to congratulate you. Joker, you're today's big winner. You did it. Even though it's weird that you're directed by the person who did the Hangover movies, for some reason, like... It it looks good. looks really good. Well... We are Preview Review. Everywhere but Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on on Instagram. Instagram. We're not on Tumblr, though. Pinterest. We're not on Pinterest. Snapchat. We're not on Snapchat. Marco Polo. We're not on that either. We're not on LinkedIn, even. We don't even have a subreddit yet. I think there's more to it than just making one. I think you have to have lots of karma or something. But anyway, we're Preview Review on Instagram and Twitter. Go follow us there. You can talk to us. I'll respond to your DMs. Or Ryan will. We both have it on our phones. So it's just a matter of who sees a notification first. Yeah, we're also both the same person. So that makes it really easy for us to reply whoever sees it first because we're the same. Surprise, this is the episode 8 plot twist. 
the if big you reveal. Any, if you watch any ten episode series on Netflix, you know that episode eight always ends with a plot twist. Episode nine will be the big confrontation, and then episode ten is the resolution, and that will be the end of season one of Preview Review. But we're not doing seasons because that's for cheap podcasts. We're going week to week, forever. So tune in next week, and the week after that, 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 and the week after that. After that.